everybody. Good to see you. So glad you're here this morning. I commend you for coming out in the cold. We get to wear, you know what, I like, I pulled my, my coat is not in style at all, but I only wear it like, you know, I didn't wear it last year. I don't know if I wore it the year before that. So I just can't bring myself to spend money on something we never wear. Uh, so we get to wear our coats and our sweaters and pull out our gloves and we get to tell the devil that I'm resilient. A little cold weather isn't going to keep me out of church. Amen. Those things matter. So uh, you children can be dismissed. Okay. So this morning, I'm excited to be sharing the word of God with you. <clears throat> I believe God's going to do some things in our midst this morning and speak to our hearts. Um, but we're going to try a couple of new things out. Okay. So you're going to be, um, what did they call it? What? No. No. Test group. You're going to be a test group this morning. So I need um, someone, Liliana, first of all, if you would like to have notes, if you would like notes uh, to follow along with the service, you may do that. And just wave at Liliana, and she's going to give you notes. You're, you're going to need a pen, though. And the other thing we're going to do is I'm going to control my screen. And if it quits, if it seems like she's totally lost her mind, she's not changing the screen, y'all just wave at me and we'll switch. So this morning is entitled, I Have Decided. I'm going to bring you, we're going to go through a passage in Mark chapter 8 that we've read recently. Okay, so we're up. So we're going to read a passage we've read recently in Mark chapter 8. And I want to show you that in our Christian walk, you know, we say that Jesus is our true north. So magnetic north, if, uh, if you were a sailor, you would know the difference in magnetic north. If you were a person who liked to hike the Appalachian Trail, you would know the difference in true north and, and magnetic north. Magnetic north is something that, that changes. It shifts. Uh, but true north is Jesus. He's our true north. He keeps us steady and on the right course. It doesn't change. And when we say on him, we're going to be where we need to be. But in this Christian walk, you need to know that you are going to come up to decision points. And today we're going to go through what those decision points are. Because I want you to identify yourself in your journey. We're all on a journey here. And I want you to identify yourself in the journey. And then I want you to ask yourself if you're ready to make the next step on your journey. But first of all, a quick review on 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have one more week to go. Some of you may not have participated yet. And I want you to jump in. It's not too late. Spend the last week in prayer and fasting with us. So first of all... <clears throat> If you're looking at our, our paper, prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting disconnects. So we're going to unplug some things. So maybe over the holidays, you know, over the course of the year, this is the way of the flesh, the the worldly part of us, the ungodly part of us, and you know you have an ungodly part. The way of it is it just kind of, it's like a steering wheel where the alignment on the car is off. 
and it just gradually just starts veering off. If you don't hold on to that steering wheel and steer it back, you're going to just you're going to end up in the ditch. So that's the way of the flesh. You're just going to more and more and more. So uh, so fasting is not meant to you're not meant to suffer. Okay? That's the purpose. You're not suffering for Jesus. Okay? Jesus doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to disconnect from those things that are that are steering you wrong. Okay? So some things that you might fast from, you might fast from video games, social media, television, um, uh, secular music. Those are some, some things. But let's look at that. We've got, we've got four kind of fasts on our paper here. First one, I'm just reviewing what Pastor Brad taught a couple weeks ago. And didn't Jonah do an awesome job last week? was so blessed. I've been thinking about it all week long. It just encouraged me. I was just like, I'm going to do this under the Lord. I'm going to do this under the Lord. I'm going to do this under the Lord. He encouraged me. All right, so four types of fast. First of all, there's the complete fast. This is when uh, you don't eat food, okay? Uh, and it is biblical. Usually in the Bible, you see it for about three days, okay? Uh, you shouldn't do this without medical supervision. Um, some people can't complete fast because the medications they're on doesn't mean you can't fast, okay? It means you can't complete fast. Uh, another kind of fast is selective. Selective is certain foods we see in the book of Daniel. We see Daniel fast meats and sweets and breads. Um, and by the way, uh, before that, um, the, the complete fast, we, saw, we see that in the book of Esther. Esther has got, she's doing something life-threatening, going before the king on behalf of her people. So she tells, she tells Mordecai, ask our people to fast with me. I'm going to be fasting, complete fast, and before I go before the king. So when you have something hard before you, a complete fast is an excellent way to get quiet before the Lord. And then we have the selective fast. Then we have a partial fast. We see that in scripture. Um, and that's where sometimes that they wouldn't eat until uh, evening, until the evening meal. So kind of similar to this day and age is intermittent fasting, which is really popular, great weight loss tool. Fasting is not for weight loss, okay? Fasting is to, to get quiet before God. And then finally, uh, one, I've heard it called this, it's, it's not scriptural name, but a soul fast. That's where you might be fasting social media. Man, some of us would benefit from three weeks off social media. Movies, music, things that feed your soul, things that um, slowly guide us a different way. So the way of the flesh is we just gradually indulge more and more, and we have to take that steering wheel, put our hands back on the steering wheel, and pull it back. All right, so what this is, I don't know if this is how it's for you. This is how fasting is for me. At first, I think it's fun because it's something new, and I like new things. So at first, I'm like, hey, I like this. This is cool. And then after a little bit, I'm like, I'm kind of over this. I'm ready for this to be done. I really didn't know it was going to feel like this, and it was going to last forever. And then I think in the business world, they call that the dip. Um, and then... It starts getting really cool. The benefits of fasting. Jack Hayford said the reason Christians don't fast is because they don't know the benefits of fasting. If you understood the benefits of fasting, you'd be fasting. Is my mic okay? My mic okay? Do I need handheld? All right. So we're going to start out today. I told you we're going to talk about the Christian journey. It's a series of decision points. Every single person in this room is somewhere on this journey. 
you are there. All right, let's start in Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had just fed the 4,000. Crowds of people are mobbing him all the time. He can't get a break. They're all quick and smart, and they're anticipating his every move and beating him in his next place. So Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, let me tell you where that is. It is in northeast Israel near the Golan Heights. In Jesus' day, it was a place of pagan worship. Even today, there are pagan altars that still remain from Jesus' day in Caesarea Philippi. So as they're going through Caesarea Philippi, they're seeing what the world, when you take your hands off the steering wheel, where it will take you. This is the extreme of where it will take you. It might be similar to Vegas or parts of New York City or part downtown Los Angeles. We've had fun times in New York City and we've had some weird things happen. Scarred our memory in New York City. Take your hands off the steering wheel and that's where the world will lead you. Jesus said this is the best that the world has to offer you. On the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, his forerunner, and John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Herod was scared to death that John the Baptist was going to be reincarnated. They believed in reincarnation, and a lot of people thought Jesus was John the Baptist, reincarnated. So that was the word, one of the words out there on the streets, John the Baptist, reincarnated. Others say Elijah, because the Bible promises Elijah's going to come back. Revelation talks about that. And still others, one of the prophets, just a plain old ordinary prophet. Well, what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? This is the question that matters in life for humanity. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. But Peter did not have revelation of what that meant yet. Peter, with all the rest of the Hebrew people, were looking for an earthly kingdom with an earthly king, they wanted Jesus to take over the government, let's overthrow Rome. And he was looking through human, natural eyes. He acknowledged that he was the son of God, but he didn't understand what that meant yet. And I'll show you that because of what Peter's about to say. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Who is Jesus to you? And is that where he needs to be? Is he where he needs to be in your life? 
guess who gets to decide? You. You get to decide. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man, talking about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So Jesus takes his most beloved, he takes his twelve, his ones that are going everywhere with him and starts unfolding the plan of God before them. And guess what? They didn't like it. That was not their plan. This is not what we had in mind, Messiah. He spoke, he spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter is Jesus' number one. He's the leader of the group. Jesus, just called him Messiah, begins to rebuke him. But it says he began to rebuke him. He didn't get very far, did he? <clears throat> but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So Jesus just looked at his number one, the one he can count on, the one that's leading the path, and said, get behind me, Satan. Your thoughts are demonic. You have a worldly mindset. And it's not a godly mindset. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? They've just been at a place of, place of pagan worship. Peter wasn't saying, let's go, let's go do some crazy stuff, this pagan worship. That's not what he was saying, was it? He didn't come up with something crazy extreme on the other side. He said, no, not that, Lord. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Your concerns are worldly. Your concerns are limited. They're limiting you, and they don't involve me. Then he called the crowd. Everybody say the crowd. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Jesus says that a disciple must deny himself, not say, bless me. A disciple must take up their cross. So in our day, the cross is a symbol of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Does anybody have a cross necklace on right now? Anybody in here have a cross necklace? We think a cross is beautiful jewelry. We have a cross on the front of our building. But in this day, the cross wasn't glorified. A cross wasn't decorative. A cross was a symbol, it was something despised. It would be equivalent today to wearing an electric chair on your necklace. He says, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. So a lot of people are like, whoa, that's in too deep for me. I don't want none of that. I'm good enough. You know what? Making heaven my home, making heaven home is good enough for me. I don't want to be all in like that. But Jesus said, you want to save your life? What's your life? Your dreams? Your agenda? Jesus said, you're going to lose it anyway. You're going to lose it anyway. You're going to die anyway. 100% of us are going to die. 100%. So you need to look at the big picture. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus said, follow me and you'll find life. Living your life for Jesus in the gospel. But you won't know unless you try it. You won't know. You'll actually save your life. When you lose your life for Jesus and for the gospel, you actually save your life. Save your marriage. Save your family. Save your joy your dreams, your happiness, God's better dreams than yours. You're not going to hate it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it, but you'll never know unless you try it. Verse 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? How many times have you been to a funeral? Have you ever been to a funeral and said, I hope they were invested on the other side? I hope they knew Jesus. I hope they had it straight with the Lord. I hope so. When you go to the other side, it's not going to matter what you left in your bank account when you got home. I mean, when you, that you left behind. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter how you climbed the corporate ladder. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? Once you're standing there before the maker, everything, right? 
You give it all. You give everything. You, you can have my BMW, Lord. You can have... And he's like, that ain't going to cut it. <clears throat> what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? If, any, if anyone is ashamed of me, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So he calls them an adulterous and sinful generation. What does adulterous mean? Someone who's married but love something else instead. You say you're in a family, but you love something else. Don't want this to be you. Don't want this to be you. I don't want you to get to heaven and this happen to you. So the Christian journey is a series of decision points, and I want you to know what your next step is. So we're all on the same journey, but in different places. Maybe some people here aren't Christians. Maybe some have known the Lord for decades. Jesus dealt with the same continuum who he was talking to. But the, my goal today is that every one of you take the next step. But you get to decide. You get to decide if you're ready to take the next step. You find yourself and you get to decide, am I ready to take the next step? My goal is you'll take the next step. That's why I'm up here. So, starting point. So the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Here's our first step. Jesus had, we've already said, he had the crowds. He had the crowds, okay? So the, the invitation to the crowds is come and see. Come and see. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and see. Come check it out. You don't have to buy in. You don't have to believe. You don't have to clap. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to give. Just come and see. The crowds followed after Jesus. Why did they follow him? They followed him for the things that he could give. They followed him because he fed the 5,000, and he fed the 4,000. And then they were like, we want him to be king because he feed us all the time. They said that. He was healing people all the time. He healed people who didn't deserve it. He healed people that didn't believe in him. So he went around healing and, and, and doing miracles and signs and wonders. The crowd, a crowd does not make a church. A crowd does not make a follower of Jesus. So you think about it in church. Our Sunday mornings, our heart is that our service is welcoming to the crowd. Our heart is that we welcome the crowd. You're welcome. Does that mean we're going to act like the crowd? No, we're not going to act like the crowd. But the crowd's welcome. You're welcome here. You don't have to believe. You don't have to buy in. Just come and see. That gives you some idea of what it's like to invite someone to church, right? Just come. Come 
check it out. Come see. You don't have to do anything. But then, once you're a member of the crowd, the invitation is, come and believe. So we call out of the crowd those that will believe. Come and believe. Being part of a family, when you come and believe, you get to be part of the family. Come join the family. The family of faith. We're a family of faith on the face of the earth. Body of Christ. Come and believe. Come, be a part of the family. Being part of a family, though, comes with benefits and comes with responsibilities. My kids get to live in my house as long as I welcome them there. As long as me and their dad make a place for them. Benefit. Benefit. Our home isn't open to the whole world to come live there. There's benefits to being in the family, but there's responsibilities. Sometimes, you know, I have to say, listen, you're neglecting some of your responsibilities. So being a part of the family comes with responsibilities. You need to be faithful to your family. You need to serve your family. responsibilities but it comes with purpose too so the first decision point is to come out of the crowd and say I want to be a child of God I want to be in the family and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service I'm not going to draw any attention to you but you can be making up your mind right now you know you can be in church your whole life and never cross this line, never make this decision point. And if you're not sure, today's your day. You can be sure. I know the day that I crossed out of the crowd and into the family. And you should know the day that you crossed out of the crowd and into the family. John 1.12 said, but to all who believed, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Believing, you enter the family. That's how you're in the family. Okay, so everybody hasn't made that choice. Everybody in the crowd hasn't made that choice. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And then after you make that decision, the first thing that he's going to ask you to do is to declare your faith. And you do that with water baptism. Okay? So the first thing that you do is be water baptized. And that was Jesus' idea, not mine. So if you want to be water baptized, if you're like, well, I have been, I know I've been born again, I've been a Christian my whole life, I've never been water baptized, then sign up today. Today is your day. Sign up. We've got a, a water baptism service coming up. Pastor Brad will give you the details. Uh, but it acknowledges your decision and declares your faith to the world. But water baptism happens after you make that decision. So maybe you were water baptized, but you're like, I, did, I didn't understand. I hadn't made that decision. It happens after you make that decision. If you were dedicated as a baby, if you were sprinkled as a baby, that was your parents dedicating, raising you to the Lord. That wasn't your decision, right? You didn't say, Mommy, please dedicate me. 
So if that, that was their decision, which is wonderful and beautiful, but if you've never been water baptized, you should be water baptized. All right, don't overthink it. Just do it because he tells us to do it. Just simply obey him, okay? So the invitation to the crowd is come and believe. And then join a local family. We are a family of faith. So you join a local family. You find a family and be faithful to your family. Support your family. Give and serve. Something really important. Don't take this the wrong way. You guys need to be more consistent in your attendance. It's part of being faithful to the family. We have online services. The purpose, the reason we put those online services up, well, first of all, we have a lot of people who've never come through the doors watch online. And if that's you, we welcome you to come. Come into the room and be part of the family. You're welcome. Come be part of the crowd. Just see. Come check it out. But that's there if you're sick and contagious. If you're contagious, stay home. We don't want you to be here sick and contagious. Stay home and watch online and not miss out. If you're working back here, we don't want them to miss out, do we? We want them to get to be a part of the service. And we have some people that their work requires them to work on Sunday. We don't want them to miss out. But it is not for your convenience to opt out of t attending church. That's not what it's there for. We need you in the family. I'm sure you guys can imagine if you were having Thanksgiving, what a difference it would make to have your family in the room around the table versus not FaceTiming, right? Sometimes you don't have a choice in that, and I get that. But if you have a choice, be in the room. Because it's more than just you hearing a message. You have a part to supply. You have a part to give. You have a part that we need. We need you. We need you. All right? We good? Find a local family, family of faith. Greatest gift my parents gave me, me and my brother didn't miss church. You don't know what that one decision did in our lives. They didn't do everything right. They did a lot right. But you don't know how that decision helped fill in some of the gaps. And I pray that my kids, some of the gaps are filled in because they're worshiping God every Sunday morning. A great gift that my parents gave me is we were in church every Sunday. We didn't do sports on Sundays or Wednesday night. We didn't do other things on Sundays. We uh, certainly didn't wake up wondering if we were going to be at church on Sunday. Why? Why is it important? The next generation. we got to pass our faith on to the next generation. The next generation's hurting, and we got a bunch of grown-ups that grew up in church that are not dependable. A lot of people out there, you run into so many people, not in church. I got hurt at church. Well, what about your kids? We're passing a faith on to the next generation. We have a hurting generation that needs to see some strength. 
They need to see some tenacity. Listen, being a Christian won't make your life easy. It means you get to live life and go through the hard stuff with Jesus instead of without him. Amen, Sandy? We get to, we get to go through things with Jesus way better than doing it without him. And we've got a generation coming up that needs to see some strength, need to see some resilience, need to see some tenacity. All right. I'll give you another uh, incentive. How about this? So in every Blue Zone, we we, um, watch a series, what? Docu-series about the Blue Zones, okay? Blue Zones. In every Blue Zone, and this is a secular documentary, okay? It's secular. In every Blue Zone, guess what people do? They go to church every Sunday. Some people will tell you, well, they drink wine in the Blue Zone, so I think I need to be drinking wine. (laughs) I'm not here to talk about wine, okay? But uh, people, you don't hear people saying they go to church every Sunday, do you? All right? They go to church every Sunday. Why? Because it's what you need. It adds, according to the documentary, going to church every Sunday can add 8 to 14 years to your life can add 8 to 14 years of your life because it's what you need. It's what you need. So don't let your emotions drive if you're going to go to church or not. Don't stay home because of convenience. We need you in the room, okay? If you're watching online, we want you in the room. Come be a part of the family. All right, so the next invitation is to the family, right? In the family. This is not to the crowd. This is to the family. It requires you to go a little bit deeper. It is what Jesus called a disciple, okay? So the invitation is come and grow. Come and grow. Don't just join the family. Every year here at True North, we want you to end the year a little bit more mature. A little bit better at making decisions. A little bit better in the Word of God. That's why we do our Bible reading. Get up here, encourage you, read your Bible. Can I say something about the Bible reading? Uh, Now that we are adding the Old Testament, I'm a big believer in reading your Bible with your kids. But if you read the Bible as a family, I don't know, maybe you've already figured this out. There are sections that need to be taken out if you're going to read it aloud with your kids. Oh, my word. Some of that I forgot. Some of that I hadn't read in a while, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this. All right. Yeah, some, some crazy, crazy stuff. The Bible gives you the whole story. It doesn't tell you this is how to act, and it doesn't tell you that this is right. It tells you this is how it was. All right. And God loves us anyway. God loves us anyway. All right. So we're going to come be a part of the family. Family comes with but comes with responsibility. But then to the family, he calls us out to go a little bit deeper. Jesus calls a disciple, come and grow. Come and grow. I'm going to be a little bit stronger at the end of 2024 than I'm starting 2024. A little bit less habits that are destructive. So are you growing? 
Are you growing? The intent of Christianity is not that you get to heaven one day. God doesn't give us, you know, the Bible says he gives us 120 years. God doesn't give us 120 years on earth just to make heaven when it's all done. That's not the only goal. The goal is that we mature. Is that we mature. So the Bible describes my job, Pastor Brett's job, in Ephesians 4. How long has it taken to get? So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave five offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastors and teachers. Okay, uh, Pastor Brad and I, we, we lead together. We have the call of God to be a pastor and a teacher. I grew up in a pastor's home, but I thank God I knew I had a call on my life before I knew my parents had a call on their life. That was a grace to me. You understand that? That was a grace to me. I knew I had a call on my life. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's you, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So our job is to come in here and give you a game plan and get you rallied so that you can go be the church out there. So that God's people will do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That's our goal. That's our end goal is to be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head, the, who is the head of his body, the church. So until we all become mature, continues until maturity, you can be what the Bible calls mature. This is for you and me both. God, God is measuring our depth. God is measuring our depth. So it says that we'll no longer be immature like children. That we'll no longer be godly one day and ungodly the next. Consistent, inconsistent, back and forth. No, mature is, yeah, I know exactly how they're going to respond in this situation. It's time for immaturity to stop and to grow up a little bit. That's part of our fasting and prayer. We're turning away from some stuff. We're turning to God because we're getting rid of some immaturity and growing up a little bit. Amen? Amen. So that is the invitation. So instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ. That's what maturity looks like, growing more and more like Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body, that's all of us. He makes us fit together perfectly as each part does his own special work, as each part 
does his own special work. You can't do that from home, guys. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we want to be healthy body, growing, full of love. Come and, come and grow. Come be a disciple. Sorry, I got a little bit behind. If you're a disciple and you're growing, here's our next decision point. It's time to minister to others. It's time to come and serve. We don't ask people out of the crowd to come and serve. It's time to come and serve. You've been in the family. you become a disciple. You're growing. It's time to minister to other people. So a disciple knows this doesn't all exist for me. Come and serve. Some people at True North Church are so serious about their faith, they come early and pray. And a lot of them are young. And they're what Timothy says, don't let any, uh, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. Well, I want to commend our young people that get here early and pray. Some people come early and use their, use their musical talent for God's glory. Some people are smiling faces at the door as people walk in. Some people will get up and move and sit with the first-time guests so they're not sitting by themselves. There's people that give up getting to be out here to love on somebody else's kids and share the gospel with them. There are people working lights and security and, and sound and doing all those things. High-pressure position up there. Because everybody knows if they don't, if they're not getting the slides, everybody's like, what? So, a disciple, the invitation is come and serve, come and serve. Get out of the stands and get into the game. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And the Father's glorified. His intent is that we bear much fruit. And we show, we're showing, we're showing. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple means a student. I'm a student of Jesus. I'm studying him to be like him, following after him. All right. Here's our last decision point. You with me now? Everybody tracking? You tracking? Let's see. I want you to know where you are. I want you to know what your next step is. So, let's see if I'm tracking. All right, to the crowd, we invite them. We invite them, come be a part of the family. Come believe. Be a part of the family. Come and believe. The crowd, we should come and see. Come and see. You're welcome. Come and see. And then once you're in the family, what do we say? What's our invitation? Come and grow. Come and grow. Come and grow. And come and serve. Come and serve. These are decision points. Figuring out where you are, where you want to be. This is our last one, and you're not going to like it. I'm just going to give you fair warning. 
All right. So this is for the disciple, and you're growing, you're serving others. The last invitation is the real message of the Bible. We read it in Mark 8, 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Only way to save your life. Only way to save it. So we have to navigate these other four decision points to get to the heart of the gospel, the real message of the Bible, and it is this. Come and die. Come and die. What does that mean? The girls and I are reading a book. Um, it's written by Elizabeth Elliot, who was a great missionary, and it was about her, uh, the person she looked up to, which was uh, Amy Carmichael, who was a great missionary to India. And the name of the book is A Chance to Die. And it almost makes me cry. If you want to get to put in your hands example of someone who's living this right here, she's in heaven now. But if you want to see what that looks like, get that book and read it. It will bless you. A chance to die. What does that mean? Die to your habits, your dreams, your agenda, your attitude, your thinking. You're thinking it's all about you. It's what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. And I know it sounds scary, but this is where you find the best part of life. This is where you will find the best part of life. Everything that you're scared of letting go of, you're like, man, that just sounds like the deep end to me. Everything that you're holding on to is nothing in comparison to the gains. Nothing in comparison to the gains. Come and die. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, Paul was an example Read your letters from Paul. He'll show you what it looks like. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, if I live or die, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not scared of dying. I hope you found yourself today. And I hope you're ready to make the next step. Let's stand. We're going to go to the Father in prayer. Everybody, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we love you. Lord, we are so ready to take our faith seriously. We are so ready to live for you. Lord, we don't want you ashamed of us. <laughs> Lord, we want to live a life worthy of the calling. Worthy of the calling. Now, I want to ask the first question this morning. <clears throat> I'm not going to draw attention to you. I'm not going to ask you to come down. This is between you and God. If you're like, I thought I was a Christian, but I realize I've never, 
I've never crossed that decision point. I considered myself a Christian, but I'm ready to declare this morning that I'm a believer of Jesus. We're going to say a prayer all together. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it tall. And we're going to pray together this morning. Is there anyone in here that you say, that's me? Because you need to tell heaven and yourself, you need to get real. Anyone here? recognize that Lord it's time you're calling me up higher you're calling me up higher calling me out it's time for me to get out of the stands and into the game wherever wherever your decision point is wherever your decision point is I just want you to pray right there in your seat you and God Commit to him. God, I recognize where I am, but Lord, I see there's more. And I want all that you have for me. And I'm willing to leave some stuff behind. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that you're speaking to hearts. I thank you that you're speaking to hearts. I thank you decisions are being made in this room, in this place, online. I thank you, Father, people watching online, that there's decisions being made that they're never going back. They're never going back. Going to new places in you. I'm going to keep moving forward into all that you have for us. Lord, we're, Lord, we're on a path to maturity. To maturity, no longer infants being tossed around here and there, one day up, one day down. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Let's just sing and let's worship him. He's worthy of our praise. He's, he loves us. He's drawing us to him. Praise you, Lord.